0: Hey guys, welcome to the Beckett Cook Show. I'm Beckett Cook, and today we're going to get into the ideas of the 19th century German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. And a lot of people are familiar with Nietzsche, uh, mostly because of the the quote from him that quote "God is dead." But what did Nietzsche really mean by that? By "God is dead," because in in the popular imagination, it seems very simplistic, but with Nietzsche, it actually was much more kind of nuanced and profound that statement, which is in a which is in a long passage from one of his books. but we also think of Nietzsche as a nihilist, someone who just thinks life is is completely uh purposeless and meaningless. but was he really a nihilist, and what were what were his thoughts? what were his ideas well we're going to get into that. I was going to cover Nietzsche, Karl Marx, and Charles Darwin today, but we don't have time to do that. That's a it's a bigger endeavor than I thought. And so we'll get into those other guys in the following weeks. And once again, I'm gonna be referring to Carl Truman's book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, because he does a great job of of dealing with these three three people in particular. And when he talks about Friedrich Nietzsche, Karl Marx, and Charles Darwin, these 19th century philosophers and scientists and thinkers helped us believe that human beings are plastic, that we are plastic people. And we'll get into what that means, what plastic people is. But is that the case? Are we plastic? Are we, are human beings? moldable? Are they shapeable? Is human nature shapeable in plastic? Well, according to their theories, we'll get into that. But at the end of this episode, I'm going to talk about uh, one way in which we are plastic people. And it's pretty, pretty important. It's a very important way that we're plastic. So first, let's get into Nietzsche. So Nietzsche obviously was famous for as I said, the 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 quote, God is dead. But where does that come from? Well, I'm going to read the passage. It comes from his book, The Gay Science. And it's him really calling the bluff on the Enlightenment. And because the Enlightenment basically rendered God obsolete. And so Nietzsche, in response to that, is calling their bluff. And I'm going to read this passage and you're going to see it's kind of a long passage, but just stay with me. And you're going to see how profound this is and so and where this, this idea of God is dead comes from. So here it goes. The madman. Have you not heard of that madman who lit a lantern in the bright morning hours, ran to the marketplace and cried incessantly, I seek God, I seek God. As many of those who did not believe in God were standing around just then, he provoked much laughter. Has he got lost? Asked one. Did he lose his way like a child? Asked another. Or is he hiding? Is he afraid of us? Has he gone on a voyage? Immigrated? Thus they yelled and laughed. The madman jumped into their midst and pierced them with his eyes. Whither is God? He cried. I will tell you, we have killed him, you and I. All of us are his murderers. But how did we do this? How could we drink up the sea? Who gave us the sponge to wipe away the entire horizon? What were we doing when we unchained this earth from its sun? Whither is it moving now? Whither are we moving? Away from all suns? Are we not plunging continually? Backward, sideward, forward, in all directions? Is there still any up or down? Are we not straying as through an infinite nothing? Do we not feel the breath of empty space? Has it not become colder? Is not night continually closing in on us? Do we not need to light lanterns in the morning? Do we hear nothing as yet of the noise of the gravediggers who are bearing God? Do we smell nothing as yet of the divine decomposition? Gods too decompose. God is dead, God remains dead, and we have killed him. How shall we comfort ourselves, the murderers of all murderers? What was the holiest and mightiest of all that the world has yet owned has bled to death under our knives? Who will wipe away this blood off us? What water is there for us to clean ourselves? What festivals of atonement? What sacred game shall we have to invent? Is not the greatness of this deed too great for us? Must we ourselves not become gods simply to appear worthy of it? There has never been a greater deed, and whoever is born after us, for the sake of this deed, he will belong to a higher history than all history hitherto. Wow, so that is the madman from the gay science. And, and the madman is met with initial mockery and then the astonished silence of his listeners. And the madman throws his lantern to the ground, shattering it and muses that he has come too early, that his audience is not yet ready to understand his message. Later that day, Nietzsche says, the madman enters a number of churches to repeat his message, only to be thrown out his response is to declare these churches to be nothing other than the tombs of god and when i think of the madman from the gay science and him howling around the streets and 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 saying all the stuff that we just we just read i think of i think of what's going on in our culture today with antifa and and groups like that groups that are just screaming bloody murder at the sky and and destroying property and and the violence that comes from that and and to me when I see groups like antifa what I really see is this this the the madman I see that there is no God and so they're they're just I just see this the 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 rage coming from them is coming from, the absolute purposelessness of life the meaninglessness of life and because when you throw off a transcendent creator and you make you render god obsolete what do you have all you have is just a rage against yourself or against other people because it's just it's too much for a human being to bear we're created in the image of god and we are created to serve him. And if we're not reconciled to him through Christ, then we are going to turn inward or rage outward. And it's either going to manifest itself as depression, internal depression, or external anger and violence and smashing things. And And I, I just, again, I when I see... The violence of Antifa, I just see the madman from Nietzsche's The Gay Science. I just see a a world without God and a world without purpose or meaning and just the rage that comes from that. So the statement God is dead is is intended by Nietzsche as a far more powerful statement than the matter of fact claim that God simply does not exist. The underlying idea is that the enlightenment philosophy has has purposefully rendered God unnecessary, obsolete, implausible, and it is completely done away with God. So here's the problem, though. Enlightenment philosophers have failed to draw the necessary, broader metaphysical and moral conclusions from the idea that God is dead. So If we get rid of God, if we get rid of a transcendent being, then where do we ground our morality in? Where do we get the notion of human rights? Where do we get the notion of even racism? How is even racism something that is a thing? If there are, if there's no grounding in some transcendent being, so when we get rid of God, we get rid of the moral foundation. There's no there's no moral foundation whatsoever. And we'll see later how Karl Marx and Charles Darwin really especially Darwin really stripped away <laughs> any possibility of a moral foundation. And this has huge huge effects on us today. Uh because this these strains of philosophy and Char- and Darwinianism have permeated the culture so thoroughly that we just assume it. We just assume it as a culture to be true. We assume Darwin's theory of evolution to be true. We assume that Nietzsche's philosophy is true. So if we get rid of God, we get rid of morality and we have no basis for it. And, And that's what that's what Nietzsche was saying with the, the madman in, in the speech of the madman. He's saying, if you get rid of God, there's no foundation for morality. And so, what are you doing? And 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 that's what he was accusing. Basically, he was he was accusing the Enlight- Enlightenment philosophers of getting rid of God, but not having a backup, <laughs> a backup plan. <laughs> And and somehow still wanting to have this polite bourgeois life that had the foundations of biblical foundations, but had no God. So they wanted their cake and e- they wanted to have their cake and eat it too, which we see even today. I mean, our culture around us, even you know, militant non-believers want to have their cake and eat it too. They want to have. The idea of some sort of moral law or morality, you know, that again, that hu- human beings have dignity or human beings have rights or et cetera, et cetera, but they don't want God. So they can't, they can't have it both ways. And Nietzsche doesn't even like to talk about the laws of nature because that implies a lawgiver and he doesn't want to acknowledge that there is a lawgiver. And and if there is a lawgiver that we're accountable to that lawgiver. So of of course, Nietzsche doesn't even want to acknowledge any of that. And when you kill God, you take on the terrifying responsibility of, of being your own God, which we see all around us in culture. Everyone is their own God, especially on social media. You see that all the time. And you become the author of your own knowledge and the author of your own ethics or morality. You decide what is right, what is wrong. You that's what we see in obviously in our culture now. It's it's in the LGBTQ movement and, and all other kinds of movements. It's human beings deciding for themselves what is right and what is wrong based on what they feel internally. And And again, it's the psychological self or the therapeutic age that we live in. And in his book, Antichrist, Nietzsche's book, Antichrist, his idea was that that Christianity represents the instincts of the weakest and most oppressed, and it embodies the very hatred of life and of living. It desires to subjugate the truly noble and strong, and it makes men and women sick, and it devalues everything that is vital and strong and natural. So again, Nietzsche believes that believing in a in a transcendent creator is oppressive and is destructive to and this goes back to Rousseau. It goes is is goes against the authentic self, goes against who you really are, who your authentic self truly is. So Nietzsche believes that the fundamental mistake that human beings make is to, to give themselves a, a nature and, and to think in terms of, you know, a transcendent being that created us and that gave us a fixed nature. And in doing so, human beings have enslaved themselves to moral codes and given themselves a, a teleology. And a purpose, an end, a, a goal that is outside of themselves, meaning God, and, uh, like God is our purpose on this planet. But according to Nietzsche, that's a mistake because that is not our purpose. Our pers- Our purpose lies within us. And that's where we get the popular notion today of be whoever you want to be and do whatever works for you. You do you like that's the common refrain of today. And that that's from Nietzsche. So in terms of Nietzsche's nihilism, which I talked about earlier, he actually wasn't a nihilist because he he had this idea and he says, you know, he's, he imagines that that he says to imagine that one night you are accosted by a demon who declares that you are going to relive your life every single moment, the good and the bad and and the great and the trivial for all of eternity again and again and again. This is now his idea of eternal recurrence. And you might remember in a Woody Allen movie, Hannah and Her Sisters, Woody Allen talks about this idea of eternal recurrence. And he's he's in Hannah and Her Sisters, Woody Allen's kind of searching for the meaning of life. And he's looking at different religions and different philosophies. And he talks about Nietzsche and he says, he says, um, oh, and Nietzsche with his, with his theory of eternal recurrence, he said that this life we live, we're going to live over and over again, the exact same way for eternity. Great. That means I, uh, I have to sit through the ice capades again. It's just not worth it. Um, that was my bad Woody Allen impression. I actually do a better one, but I didn't try. But so, so Nietzsche had this theory of eternal recurrence that We could live our lives over and over again for all of, for all of eternity, just relive our, the life we have over and over again. So his idea wasn't nihilism. It was that we should live every moment as if it had eternal significance. So it was almost like squeeze the juice out of life. Like that was his idea, like live life as if you're going to live it the same the way over and over again. So how would you live your life now if you knew that that was going to be an eternal recurrence? So his idea of eternal recurrence focuses on the present, on the here and now. And one of the pathologies of our present age is that of the pleasure of, of the instant. Think of pornography. I mean, the psychological satisfaction of the individual in the here and now and that's how we live today. Um, it's it's how we think of human purpose. It's it's what is my immediate gratification now. So for for Nietzsche, life is to be lived in a manner that brings about personal satisfaction. So Nietzsche rejected traditional historical narratives, like obviously the narrative of the Bible is is fundamental and just the the historical narratives that flowed out of that. And he had a deep suspicion for any claims to traditional authority. And we see that in the casual iconoclasm of pop culture today. We see that in the rejection of that authority today. And a a 12-year-old girl who goes to an Ariana Grande concert and is just listening and enjoying the amoral sexual lyrics of Ariana Grande has no idea that those lyrics can be traced back to Nietzsche, that Ariana Grande, without even knowing it, is a Nietzschean. So that's important to understand because, again, we need to understand where we are in culture, how we got here, and how... How anti-God it is! So again, for for Nietzsche, self creation is is the name of the game. It's all about self creation, and Nietzsche's idea of self creation leads to the the notion of expressive individualism, and that's again where we are today. Where it's all about follow your heart, who you are, be, who you are, you know, express yourself. <laughs> the Madonna song, "Express Yourself." uh regardless of, of whether it's good or bad or moral or evil, just express yourself. Um even with you know Nas, I don't even know his name, little Nas little Nas, like expressing himself with his Satanist video, whatever that is. I mean it's just such nonsense. But it's that that's that's and and even um Cardi B expressing yourself in, in them in that crazy sexualized video. It's like that's what it's all about it's creating your own self and you are your own god and you express yourself and that's where we are expressive individualism and you have to remember that at the end of his life nietzsche had a permanent and complete mental breakdown i mean he he became completely mad he was a madman at the end of his life and nietzsche wrote an autobiography called ecce homo which is latin for behold man and I'm just going to read a couple lines from his, his autobiography, Eke Helmo. He says, I know my fate. One day my name will be associated with the memory of something tremendous, a crisis without equal on earth, the most profound collision of conscience, a decision that was conjured up against everything that had been believed, demanded, hallowed so far. I am no man. I am dynamite. So that's from Nietzsche's autobiography. And we see that dynamite still exploding all around us today. That dynamite is is still highly active today and destructive. And it's destroying culture and destroying the world. But okay, so I wanted to to i mentioned at the beginning of the video that that Nietzsche and Marx and Darwin believe that we are plastic people that we can be our nat- our nature can be shaped and molded and and that's a lie, but it's also true because as you know, if you're a believer, if you've been born again, you have a new nature you have you're a new creation in christ and I'll just read a couple passages from the Bible that points to that. So in one sense, we are plastic people. If you put your trust in Christ, if you put your faith in Christ and you're born again, you, you become completely new. You're a new person. So uh, in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And in Second Peter, the Apostle Peter says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So as believers... When we're born again, we partake in the divine nature. Christ, we're united to Christ. Christ in us. We're in Christ. Christ is in us. And the Holy Spirit indwells us. So we have, we're a new creation. We have a new nature. And in Ezekiel 36, the Lord says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So, in that sense we are plastic people if you are a believer you're a plastic person because you are a new creation in Christ and and we are moldable by the holy spirit living in us we the holy spirit sanctifies us and and molds us into the the likeness of Christ more and more we become more and more Christ like as we're more and more sanctified by the holy spirit so in that sense we are plastic people but we certainly are not plastic people in the sense of Friedrich Nietzsche and Karl Marx and Charles Darwin. So thank you for watching today. And next week I'm going to address Karl Marx and maybe Darwin, but um, if not, I'll do Darwin after that. And then I have a couple of really fun interview surprises coming for you in the next couple of months. So Thank you for watching. Don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. And I will see you next week on The Beckett Cook Show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Beckett Cook Show. Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of The Beckett Cook Show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com.